Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're here to talk about the odds of success as an authority. This is so juicy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Set it up. Yeah, this was a this was a long thread that got kicked off in my uh, Ditcherville Slack room by you know by it's a lot of people who are sort of on the authority path and uh, in response to an article that one of the folks saw on LinkedIn, uh, it just sort of became the question like, well, what are the odds? You know, most restaurants close in three years supposedly. What's the what's the rule of thumb for authority based businesses? And uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to bring that onto the show and sort of hash that out, see what we think. Well, do you have a rule of thumb, Jonathan? Uh, no, but I have a lot of strong feelings about it. <laughs> so like, for, the first part is, it feels like the wrong question because mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't see the relevance of an overall, like let's say you did a survey or a census or something and the number was, 30% or eight, let's say it's a high number, 80% of authority businesses fail in the first three years. So then if someone came to me as a potential coaching student and, and it would make no sense for me to say, well, sorry, Bob, 80% chance you're going to fail at this no matter what you do. Like it doesn't apply to individuals. It's just like a, a overall mm -hmm. thing. It's like saying that your odds of making it as a pop star are one in a million, but people still do it. So right. it's like, it just feels like the wrong question. To me, it's like macroeconomics and microeconomics. Like my, macroeconomics has no bearing on microeconomics. Oh, I'm going to get emails now. <laughs> but it's just two different things. So, you know, so I understand the desire for someone to want to know the percentage chance, but it just doesn't, it just feels like the wrong question. I don't see the relevance. You know, it's not one in a million. It's definitely not one in a million. I mean, I, I think one of the things I said was, well, the best data point I have is this Slack room. Like, look around. There's tons of people in here that are doing quite well as, you know, we, as if you define success to be that you can support your family with your, your loan income from your business, then that if we call that like a early bar to cross to say, okay, I'm, this is working, then there's tons of examples right here. So, I, you know, what, how would knowing that, that 80% failed change anything if it, it just, it didn't compute. Um, but it also made me feel like I was dodging the question. So mm -hmm. I wanted to come and kind of hash out how I would think about it differently or how you might think about it differently to kind of almost maybe, I don't know, give someone a checklist or the ways to increase the odds of success. I think that, yeah, yeah I think that's more, yeah. well, more useful. It, to me, it, it all hinges on your definition of success. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I just love about this whole business is how many different definitions of success there are. And so for one person, it might be, yeah, I want to support my family and I need $100,000 a year. Somebody else might say, well, I need 750000 a year to support my family. Right. Everybody has their own definition of what that looks like. And then you have your own definition. The, the way I, I see it is that they're... You're, you're balancing or maybe optimizing is a better word, revenue, free time, and flexibility about what you do with that time. And so that's going to be different. If, if I have small children, I'm going to put a big premium on free time and flexibility, and I might be willing to give up some revenue in order to get that. And I might define the move, even if I made less money as a success, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so, it, yeah, it's just it, the success definition is so pivotal to this and so personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean, that's a, a start. A great starting point is like, well, what does success look like, first of all? And yeah, and I suppose if someone came to me and was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm uh, in a corporate job. I want to go solo and become a consultant, let's say, and I need to make a million dollars a year in my first year and I don't have any connections or network or I'm not <laughs> sure, how, you know, I, I know I'm going to do management consulting, but I don't know for what kinds of company. Just like, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. snowflakes, chance in hell, right? There's not going to mm-hmm. happen. So if you add in that time constraint and the how far back they're starting, you know, the starting line is way back. <laughs> the T is extremely far from the hole. Um, then, yeah, your odds are going to go way down. But you know, most people, I don't think, some people are in that situation, but that's not common. I've, I've, I think I've only ever had one person come to me with like goals that were that, were that high and, and that quick. You know, so the, the combination of like, I want to, you know, the get rich quick thing, like I've got really high expenses. I don't want to take a hit financially. I'm making, I don't know, three quarters of a million dollars, three quarters of a million a year at Google. Uh, can you help? And I'd probably say, no, no, I don't think I can. You'd need some kind of, some kind of baseline, some kind of mailing list, some kind of clear laser focus positioning, some kind of like mission that you're on. You need something, not just, right. I want to make a million dollars without a boss. Like that's not a, it's just not enough for me to go on. Maybe someone else could turn that person into like a huge success in one year, but, um, I don't know how to do it. But so my yeah. my feeling is you have to talk. It's like a case by case scenario, like just like I just described, mm-hmm. like I could give you odds for that roughly, you know, I would I would say close to zero chance of that succeeding. You know, if, if they had nothing to work with, uh, they're just good at, I don't know, managing a team. And they, you know, it's just like, but if someone talks to me and they say, well, I've got a mailing list with 5000 people on it, they open it five days a week, my open rates are 50%. Uh, it's about this very specific thing, uh, like, I don't know, um, opening a business in China for Americans and, uh, and and just really specific, but they just don't have, like, they've got all the, all the marketing pieces are there, the audience is there. Uh, maybe they've written a book and it's pretty well received in a niche area. They just don't know how to do a product ladder. They don't know how to, to have a business. They, they don't know how to uh, package their product. Their, they don't know how to package their offerings. And then I'm like, yeah. I can start making projections on the first phone call, you know, it's, yeah. it's, so it does, I just don't see the, you know, it feels a little bit like, you know, you're looking, looking for the keys where the light is good, not where you lost them, <laughs> you know, trying, <laughs> trying to find that percentage. Well, it's, it's such a sliding scale. I mean, I'm thinking of somebody who came to me a number of years ago who had, had experience in consulting, was not consulting then, but had experience, very specific knowledge but had huge, huge overhead and a non-working spouse, small child and just huge overhead. And so I remember saying, okay, so how long can you go before you get your first project? He said, I think I could do 30 days. And I'm like, no, I don't care how much experience you have and how good you are. Do not do this because this, he was ready to quit his job. Mm -hmm. I'm like, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. Save yeah. some money first. Um, you know, and that was the, so yeah, his odds of success in that moment were so low. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't work with him. I, I mean, I couldn't take his money. Right. And um, 
turns out he did wind up creating a successful consulting business, but it, it was another couple of years before he was able to pull the trigger. But I mean, that's the point is, is you can't go into this um, just holding on, you know, white knuckling it. Um, I mean, I, I shouldn't say you can't. I mean, I, people do like you lose your job and you go, OK, this is it. I'm going to do this. That's a little different. Um, that's called motivation. <laughs> <laughs> but but when you have choices, I think it makes sense to really think through the choices and think about the timeline it will take, because authority is it is a long game and you can start with expertise in a relatively short game if you come with some stuff. Um, even if you don't have an email list, if you have people who will hire you, you have a high in, a, a demand. Uh, start over. It has a you have a skill set that is in high demand, and you know people who can hire you. That that can be a great start, even without an email list. You can build the list if you've got the work to to kick it to kick off your business with. Yep, and, and that was a big part of the thread in Ditcherville. It's it's like. For me, the authority game is a long game. It's not a short game. It's gardening, not hunting. And if if you know if you haven't got six to twelve to eighteen months to wait for those tomatoes to start coming up, you're going to have a rough year. It's gonna it's not going to be fun. So if your risk tolerance is kind of low, you've got a lot of responsibilities. Then maybe startling the groundwork before you jump ship from the day job. You know, there are things you can do to set yourself up for success before you even leave, right? Mm-hmm. So that, assuming assuming what, what I would call an average risk tolerance, I feel like the people that I work with, most of the people I work with are not sponsored by Red Bull. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's like this sort of, you know, most people that I work with have kids and dogs and spouses and mortgages and those sorts of things. Not everyone, mm-hmm. but a lot, quite a few. So they're not huge risk takers. So they're trying to be smart about the risks they're taking and try to decrease the odds of, of a loss and minimize the impact of a loss should that happen. And a lot of times it boils down to cash flow. It's like if you mm-hmm. if you yeah. are, don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage, you're going to be frantic. Most people are going to be frantic in that situation. They're going to flail around. They're going to do something that does not align with the strategy that they laid out for themselves. So that's a key factor. I've had people, <laughs> I've had people working with me, or at least in my Slack room for for five, six years before they finally made the leap because they felt like their side hustle had been built up to the point where it was could sustain the family. So that's you know five years, yeah. six years. Yeah. Um, I've had other people in this scenario that you point out that just like I can't, I can't do this job one more day. Like I can't do it. I'm just out of here. I'll just freelance. I've got enough connections. I'll freelance for my the employer I quit from. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's all sorts of ways to get to kind of bootstrap yourself into self-employment. Um, but that's different than that's just becoming a freelancer and getting paid for your, you know, your to apply your expertise on behalf of clients is that's not an authority business. You know, that's just. Your, no, it might be the first step towards an authority business. Exactly. But yeah, in and of itself, I would agree. Exactly. Yeah, it's so yeah, risk tolerance is is also so individual. I mean, I think when I started my first business, I mean, I quit a uh, a very 
um, lucrative six-figure job to start this unknown business. But I, I conserved cash for a long time because I didn't know how long it would take. And I mean, I was hiring employees, so I needed cash even more. It was, it was cash was king. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I can remember people saying, Whoa, boy, you're really brave. And I thought, no, I'm not. I can't keep going like this in this big firm. This is not the life I envisioned for myself. No, mm-hmm. but but it took me a couple of years to make the decision. It right. wasn't like I just woke up one morning and said, oh, let's just throw all the marbles in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I see when someone comes along and they, like you said, if they only have three uh, 30 days of <laughs> runway, um, that that I would say that's pretty low chance of success unless they had a really strong, really strong personal network and their the skill set that they had was in high demand. So, even then, though, thirty days then, you have to have the cash in thirty days. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you got to yeah. get paid up front. I mean, my world. I'd of say at least yeah, ninety. I I you know maybe we could have talked a little bit more if all those all those um, things were in place, which yeah. they weren't. No, I, yeah, somebody like that, I'd give like a 3% chance of success. It's like, it would be really low. But if someone came to me and had, you know, like I probably already said this, but it's like really clear metrics for success. It was reasonable. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they needed to hit a home run immediately. Uh, and they had like nine months of runway, you know, and as long as we could get them, you know, you know, you could probably get a couple of, you know, project or two in the nine months to extend the runway kind of more or mm-hmm. less indefinitely so or some other way to fill in like with um just for cash flow reasons like do you know have you ever been hired by agents agencies before do you have like connections there that you know they've already got clients and they need they know they need what you do is there some way that you could do that so at least you'd be you might have to do it by the hour which is a drag but um, do you have some way to kind of indefinitely extend your runway and then once once that once the person feels pretty confident about that, or they come to me and they're, they're like, yeah, I've got, I've got six months of runway and I've got all sorts of people who want to work with me. I've been saying no, because I'd rather do something a little bit higher altitude, but yeah, I could, you know, I could flip a switch and get a job on top towel in, in 48 hours. So it's like, okay, um, then yeah, mm. then let's work on it because they're, they're, they're more in a situation like that. The person is more like trapped at the level of success that they're in. So I'm talking about someone who's already gone solo. They've been freelancing or contracting, um, and and but they're just they feel they're feeling the gilded hamster wheel. Like they know they're on it, and they're like, yeah. eh, "Is this all there is? You know, I got to do something to you know, like I'm fine. I could do this forever. It's comfortable, but I want to level up. I want to get better clients. I want to do better work, or I want to have a bigger impact, or I want to go deeper into this niche, this sort of mission. Or have thing. more control. More control. Yep. Yep less of this kind of like onesie twosie small project stuff less you know fewer revisions meetings or arguing about hours like whatever they're just dissatisfied but it's not because of the money you know that's Mm -hmm. when i'm like okay we can definitely do something here and then what's the what's the next thing after that like if that's so that would be a huge i would that would dramatically increase my gamble on this person like okay this this person is not going to be panicking about money so we can work on more esoteric things. They're not they're not gonna be drowning right. all of a sudden. And you know, when we're trying to figure out like how to get sunblock, right? It's like, no, they need a life preserver first. So that's like bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is covered. So how do we get farther up the pyramid? I mean, for me, the next thing I would I would in terms of calculating the odds of success is some combination, 
it's probably I, uh, these might be two sides of the same coin, but one thing is how clear they are about about who they want to help. That is really super useful and and increases your odds of success. There's an exception there, but but that one's a really that one's really important. And the other one that would be a multiplier is how fanatical they are about it. So like there's no give up in this person, you mm-hmm. know, right? So if they're just because some people, uh, it's rare, it's an outlier, but some people just like flail on their positioning. They just like thrash between like, oh, I'm going to help this kind of person. And then it's like, oh, that didn't work in six weeks. I'm going to help this kind of person. I'm going to help this kind of person. <laughs> and it's like, well, you're just digging up your garden and planting a new one every time. Like, of course it didn't work yet. It's not that, it's not that you... It's not that you never need to pivot. Sometimes you do. Sometimes the market just tells you they're not interested in in this thing that you have, and that's valid. But you know, if you're if you're if you're super uncommitted to it, just sort of like flag in the wind, that's going to be that's going to decrease your odds. So I guess those you know the runway thing, the the specificity about who you want to help, and your dedication to making it happen, I think are three important factors. Yeah, I. I- I would use a word. It's similar to dedication, but it's focus. And there, there. Here's how I think about it: you, you need a willingness to be ruthless about going after what you want. And I don't mean in the sense of hurting people or charging inappropriately. When I say ruthless, it means saying no to a client who's not ideal. It means saying no to working outside of your genius zone. Saying no to. Um, working like crazy hours when your your intention in this is to have a more manageable life mm-hmm. it's you, you really have to be ruthless because you don't have a boss telling you what to do you are your own boss and you need to decide how you want to run this so there's a little bit of a of a ruthlessness about um really going after what you want and maybe you can give me a better word than ruthless because that just sounds so cold and hard and I don't mean it in that way. I would call it disciplined, it, disciplined to stick to your strategy. So if you've clearly defined your objective and you've, you've got a strategy to do it and you want to stick to it and say no, having a strategy means saying no a thousand times. So yeah. if you're getting all of these air quotes opportunities in your inbox you and again if you've got cash flow this is easier to do than if you don't but you're getting all these opportunities and you can see the red flags on this like lead or it's uh it's hourly and you're trying to get away from that and it just has to be hourly because it's a government contract or uh, what, whatever the case may be you know it, it does begin with you know ruthless is not a bad word but i think it's more it, it's it's really just self-discipline and saying yeah, like okay, i think i like discipline better too yeah it's, so, the, it's hard. Runway, first. Mm-hmm. runway, discipline, clarity. Yep. Did we leave anything else out? Was there another one in there? I, I feel like I, I feel like there's I feel like the the revolution piece is another one. Like this, the the come hell or high water, I'm making this happen. And I don't mean reaching my success. I mean helping these people. Right. So right. if you do have that, not everyone has that, and I think that's okay. But if they do have it, I'm like, okay. It, it indicates to me that the discipline and the the grit are going to be there. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to say for an authority business, I do believe the revolution 
needs to be there. Not for an expertise business, but if you really want to work your way into authority, I think, I, I feel like that's the difference between the people I meet who are disciplined and focused is that they've got this emotional connection to the outcome. They really mm-hmm. care about it. And again, not not everybody does, but I think it's a it's a high success factor if you want to build an authority business. Yeah, I, I would. I really like that distinction. I would. I would try to think of examples. I'm not to shoot my mouth off, but uh, maybe I'm trying to think of examples of what of someone who I, I I would say has an authority business who doesn't have a like a big mission or a big revolution or a, a big why. You know, and it's it's kind of hard to think of one. Uh, somebody who's yeah, who's really visible. Right, right. Like I can certainly think of entrepreneurs who don't have a mission. You know, they've they've just got a chain right. of laundromats or whatever, and they're just like whatever. Right. It's like the you know the clothes get clean. You know, they're thinking about operations and automation and and employees and rent and you know stuff like that. And like they don't need to be famous or on a mission or anything. They're just like you know they just have a, a retail location of whatever. But yeah, but if you if you talk specifically about an authority business and and a lot of times an authority business is going to include a book and I don't know how you could write a book if you weren't like really into helping this audience or really into this particular rabbit hole that you're in. Yeah. I don't I, I mean, can't think of a way to do it. Maybe it's just it, me. It's funny cuz I, I I think I could think of a couple um but not not in our space actually cuz I'm I'm thinking like all right think of somebody whose message you don't like right and so but even then they're still serving right I may not agree with their message but I can't fault them for they are leading a revolution and the the only people that come to mind and I I won't give names I'm not sure I could remember them are some of the authors of these personal finance books they're like do this. Yeah, do this. Go. And in theory, they're big ideas. Let me help you make money. But it's really more about helping them make money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. This yeah. sort of like bro hustle culture. Um, but there are people within there like Gary V. I I mean, I, I, I not think like, he's not somebody I really follow, but he has a mission. Mm-hmm. He absolutely has a mission. And I respect that. I, I don't you know, necessarily agree with you know his his worldview, but I, I respect that he has a mission. You right. know, he's trying to do good in the world. Good for him. Right. Yeah. I, I, you, I think you're onto something there. I think I, certainly I can flip it around, and and if I'm just meeting someone who's maybe considering private coaching or something, and they do have a revolution, like they know what it is. It, that in my mind that increases their odds. Now, but yeah. none of this yeah. is to say that you can get to 100. percent You can't. You cannot get to 100 percent. Like I've I've seen I've had people who are just ruthlessly self-disciplined that have an extremely clear target market and are yeah I've been trying not to use the word passion but they're passionate about helping um, sort of like removing the expensive problem and mm-hmm. then they they and they packaged up this the offerings and they bring it to market and it crickets like pe- the people are just not in the headspace to even see the problem that is staring them in the face you know it's like that's happened more than once to me where where someone's been like here's here's my positioning let's put together a product ladder here's a hypothetical positioning statement let's put together a product ladder here's my evidence that this expensive problem exists and you know let's start meeting with these people and seeing seeing if if they perk up and then they don't and you're like okay let's try this from a couple of different angles 
and it's just the market doesn't care. Like the market just mm-hmm. doesn't care about this problem. It's it's a little bit like I mean, I feel like I have this a little bit because like most people don't see hourly billing as an expensive problem. They're like, I mean, it's just the way it works, right? It's like, what mm-hmm. what else would you do, yeah. right? So they're not out there looking for a solution. <laughs> they're out there looking for, they're Googling for things like, what should my hourly rate be? How do I raise my hourly rate? How do I tell my clients that my hourly rate is going up at the end of the year? It's, mm-hmm. it's just like a foregone conclusion. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, all these other problems you have, it's because you bill by the hour. And they're like, mm, I don't know. So I have that problem a little bit. But thanks to my mission, thanks to my cash flow, you know, which I had to I had to bootstrap for my other business for like 18 months to get up mm-hmm. to a point where I could replace my income. Um, without that, uh, I don't want to tenac- tenacity. That doesn't, that's not how it feels. But without that discipline and stick to itiveness and like, uh, ability to keep paying the mortgage for long enough for the tomatoes to start coming out of the garden that that was like when someone comes to me and they're like that maybe it's just because i it's more easy for me to help people who are like me but i do think that this is pretty pretty broadly applicable to anybody who's thinking about an authority business if you've got these factors it really increases your odds quite a bit yes the word that was coming to mind as you were saying that is grit i think of that as you know that it it embodies discipline, but I think it's even more. And it's sometimes people who have grit, they kind of like bring on adversity. Mm-hmm. I can I can handle that. And so there's that that grit, I mean, mm. to stick yeah, with it, which word. I would argue is something that's really helpful for entrepreneurs generally, not generally. just in our space. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly certainly the what else what else is it what else would help me? Here's another thing that would that would Again, I'm meeting someone the first time, let's say, or doing a coaching call, and I'm, you know, and the and the goal is to to calculate just for me to to like gut instinct, like how success, how likely do I think it is for this person to succeed? Another thing that that I look at um, is their testimonials. Like if they have testimonials, if they have demonstrated that they can produce. Uh, business outcomes, valuable business outcomes for their clients and the clients recognize it, that's huge. So, you know, the client's been like, oh, you know, Alice doubled our sales after, you know, we implemented her changes to the shopping cart or whatever. Or, you know, fi- our marketing finally started working after, work, you know, after after Bob came on and revised our marketing strategy, like all of our blogging finally started working. I doubled our traffic and conversions stayed the same and get us like if you have testimonials like that then it's it's like oh okay it's it's so much easier for me to work with you because i can see the kind of business outcomes that your target buyers are going to care about your ideal buyers are going to care about and in lieu of and, and if they don't if they haven't asked for testimonials but they have clients who keep coming back to them and they charge a lot of money, then I know they're delivering value, even though they, neither of us know exactly what the yes. client thinks it is. But if they keep on getting hired, then I know they're doing something right. So we just need to find out the right language to describe that, the value that they're delivering, which usually means going to the client asking for a testimonial. Yeah. I always think of those kinds of folks as a little bit on the shy side. And I don't mean necessarily shy in person, but they've achieved these results 
but they're not realizing how powerful they are. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love collecting stories in the process of this work because, you know, you I, I've looked at lists like there's 10 or 20 client success stories and you can see the theme, you know, when they're written out, you can absolutely see it, right. but there isn't a single testimonial on the site. Right. Yeah, those are those are like the, you know, the 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 uncovered geniuses, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of helping them to step into the light. So the probability for those folks is really high if they're willing to push themselves into the limelight a little bit more. Right. Yeah, there's kind of no way around that if you want to be in the authority business. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's there's something there's something going on here that I don't think is encapsulated in anything we've said so far, which is it's something to do with network. Like like it's something to do with like almost like social connections where if if someone came to me and they were part of like the trade association that they want to serve or they or they're just connected to all the people that they would need to be like they're already in their own market and they mm. already know they sort of intimately know the culture of the group uh, that's gonna that's gonna give me that's gonna make me feel like we can hit a home run you know it's gonna be like they understand i guess the the flip side to that is if they're just trying to scratch their own itch, which doesn't always work. So if somebody comes to me and is like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a software developer. I know software developers inside out and I want to, oh, I don't know, what, what are some of the examples? I want to sell architecture to software developers or I want to sell, um, like they have a good, really, really strong idea about what they want to sell. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Okay. So, so somebody's like, I'm in this group and I want to sell them this. And I'm like, well, do they want that? And then it's like, well, they should want that. <laughs> right. they, they need that. They need that. Right. But do they want it? Are yeah. people asking for it? When was the last time one of them bought that? You know, so so then there's sort of a product market fit thing that uh, if you are, I think if you're really, really clear on your your revolution, which I feel like you tell me, but I seem to recall that that does include like a particular, some sort of target market, like a, like an audience then yeah it can help quite a bit to be flexible about how you serve them and not be real rigid because if you're rigid on both things it can work but it also might not work it's like i want to sell you know i don't know rock climbing classes to software developers yeah. to improve their posture because i love no. rock climbing and i'm a i'm a software no. developer it's like uh yeah. I mean, and that's why I, I, I talked about it in the in my book the way that I did, because you have to position first and then you monetize. Right. Mm. So decide who you want to go after, decide what your revolution is, and then you can figure out how to monetize that. Because until you're really clear, your monetization strategies are not necessarily going to work. And right. you could think I'm starting this business and I'm going to work with a handful of whale clients and I'm going to charge top fees. And then you get attached to a revolution and you go, you know what, I I'm not going to be able to make that revolution happen with four people at a time. Right. I need to do something different. And so I think that's it's really important to get clear on who you want to serve and the ultimate outcome, right? The revolution that you want to lead. What mm -hmm. do you want to change in your world? Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to that point you started with, which yeah. is um, this idea of a network of, of some kind. And yeah. I, I th think that's really important to add to the list. It's, it's not that you can't start with knowing just the people who were at your job, but you will your odds will vastly increase if you not only if you are in 
connected specifically to the people that you can help. But if you've got a wider network still, even if it's a geographic network, people who care about what you're doing and will help to spread the word. And I'm not talking about, you know, 3,000 Facebook friends, but, you know, real connections that you've made over the course of your career to date. Yep. It's a factor. Definitely. And, and I've worked oh, with yeah. some software developers who like, or like, I'm like, well, who do you know? Like how many people are in your, you know, contact list? And they're like, like my immediate family, pretty much that's it. Like there's, it's not, unco- it's not common, but I've certainly come across folks who are just real um, introverts and, and they, mm-hmm. they just love doing code and they just really get off on that, like making stuff that people use, but they're not connected with tons of people. So that would be, that would make me say like, well, okay, let's, let's rather than trying to teach the fish to fly and building a giant network, like maybe let's think about a different way to achieve success. Like the first thing we talked about, what does success yes. look like? Maybe it's building a tool, you know, or a SaaS or, um, uh, you know, some, some kind of, uh, plugin or, you know, developer tools or just some other thing where you're not going to have to be in the limelight. It's almost like, I suppose it probably goes a little bit hand in hand where someone who doesn't have a big network, you know, if you're, if you're like 35 and you don't know a hundred people or even 500 people, it's like, well, maybe limelight's not your jam. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, a different well, business this model. Well, social. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, to me, that's the genius zone, right? Is we all have one and we want to find a place to, to work in our genius zone. And there is room, lots of room in the authority business for introverts and I, I just, I hate the idea that somebody listening to this is an introvert, small social circle, and is going, well, I can't be an authority. Wrong. In fact, you might be the best authority because you're not spending all your time on social connections, but you're digging deep into your area of expertise. So, Could yeah. be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is there any, I feel like, I almost feel like I could make it like a onboarding worksheet, like a checklist for people or a a survey for people to fill out. (laughs) Just like rate yourself on a, you know, one to five on these seven factors. And like, oh, it's like pretty interesting. And then, and then I can, my friend can calculate his percentage. It's like, oh, here's my percentage (laughs) chance of success. Answered. Asked and answered. Thank you. I'm actually, you know, a part of me really loves that idea and the other part of it hates it because it feels like it's giving like a number that is meaningless, mm-hmm. but it's, we all like to have a number. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I'm going to stop myself from building that. <laughs> I know. I feel it coming. I feel like my next Slack communication with you is going to be, hey, take Here a look at this. Yeah. It'll probably, you know, I've got, I've got six days before this episode goes live. So we'll see if it's in the show notes, you can do your uh, authority <laughs> success calculator. So I'm kind of picturing it almost like an old-fashioned radio dial, right? It's <laughs> like it just like where do you land on the on the wave of this? Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. So is there is there anything else I should add to my uh my success calculator? Runway. Well, part of it is that is you put value judgment on each of these, right? Runway one month, 6 months a year. Right. Um, discipline clarity. Uh, revolution. I don't know if we added grit. Maybe that's a subset. And then something about network. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the genius zone isn't necessarily a sign of that you're you're 
going to be successful. It's more how much of the work will be in your genius zone. So you can see whether you want to add that or not. Mm-hmm. In other words, I wouldn't want somebody who's got five connections and he's related to them and starting a business that requires a high level of socialization because that just feels like setting somebody up for failure. Right. Right. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully that answers the, the question. It was a very <laughs> boisterous thread in Ditcherville. Awesome. So, yeah. So I felt like it deserved a, an episode. So I was glad you were game. Always. I thought this was fun to think about. Cool. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.